Welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Betsy Timboom, Promise of God by Mike Evans, with permission from Time Worthy Books, and we are on Chapter 15. In June, William graduated from the university. A month later, he was ordained and assigned to a church in Lessa, halfway between Harlem and Leiden. It took a few weeks for him and Teen to get moved in and settled, but we made plans to travel there to hear his first sermon. First sermons were the big events in the Dutch Reformed Church. People came from everywhere to hear him. We all traveled by train to attend and arrived several days early. William and Teen lived in a large three-story house located across the street from the church. With just two of them to occupy it, they had plenty of room for guests, so we stayed with them. Arriving early gave us plenty of time to get settled and to catch up on the latest family news. While we visited, Mama, Aunt Anna, and I helped Teen unpack the remaining boxes from their move and arrange the house to receive the many guests we expected would stop by on Sunday afternoon after William's sermon. Papa spent the extra time touring the town, meeting other watchmakers and shopkeepers. Corey was supposed to help us clean and decorate, but the day after we arrived... Carol came to call. He and Corey went for a walk and were gone most of the afternoon. I wanted to protest. We're all working hard to help get the house ready, but Mala stopped me. For the duration of our visit, Corey and Carol spent every afternoon together, walking and talking and whiling away the time. At night, after everybody else had gone to bed, Corey kept me up until well past midnight, talking nonstop about where she and Carol had gone and the things they had talked about, for the most part, dreams for the future and how that might unfold. I kept quiet and listened, but the more I heard, the more troubled I became. Corey's version of their time together was accurate. Their relationship had grown far more serious than I first imagined. That Sunday, William delivered a brilliant sermon and afterwards the congregation held a reception to celebrate his entry into the ministry. Corey was there and very much with Carol, hanging on his arm, smiling while he talked, laughing at all his jokes. I watched from across the room while standing near several of William's former classmates from the university. With little effort, I overheard them talking about Carol, laughing over memories of life while they were in school. Then their banter took a more serious turn. Who is that? One of them asked with a gesture towards Corey. It's William's sister, someone replied. Lovely girl, another commented. Yes, the first one acknowledged, but poor thing, look at her. She's obviously been ensnared by Carol's charm. Too bad, the second replied. He'll never stay with her. Mother won't allow it, another chimed in. Ah, yes, the first one said with a mocking tone. Dearest mother, can't disappoint her. After a while, people drifted away, and before long, the crowd had thinned considerably. I walked with Teen over to the house, and we prepared a light lunch for Papa, Mama, and the others. They arrived within the hour, and we ate in the dining room. A little later, Mama went upstairs to rest, and Papa dozed on the sofa in the front parlor. Then Carol came by for Corey, and they went for yet another walk, which left only a few of us at the house. I found William alone on the back porch, propped up against the railing, staring out at the flowers that grew in the garden. Great sermon, I said. Thanks, he replied without looking. I was a little nervous. No one could tell. He glanced over at me. Could you? Once or twice, I shrugged. But only because I've seen you speaking in Mr. Van de Beek's class. A smile pushed up his cheeks. That was a long time ago. Yes, it was. 
He stood and turned to face me. Corey seems to be spending a lot of time with Carol. Yes, I nodded. She is indeed. Is he enjoying it as much as she is? Difficult to say. Oh, how so? He has always been the kind to say one thing and do another. After Corey visited the campus that weekend, she started writing to him. I saw him one day with one of her letters, and he said rather derisively, Another missive from your little sister. But I noticed he read them all, and kept them too, by the way. He kept them? Yes, had them in a box beneath his bed. I was standing with some of your friends this afternoon at the reception. I saw that. They wanted me to join them, but I refused. Last thing I need is for them to tell my parishioners old college stories before anyone has a chance to know me themselves. He had a playful smile. Whatever they said about me, I assure you, it wasn't even half true. Actually, they were rather cute about it. Must have been on their best behavior. Some of them haven't seen the inside of a church since confirmation. They did have telling remarks about Carol, though. What did they say? For the next few minutes, I recounted their conversation. William listened with a pained expression. That's what I was referring to before, he said, when I was through. That day we talked about this at home. That's what I meant. He's intent on marrying someone at the top of the social order. Royalty would barely meet his family's standard, he scoffed. The back door opened and Teen appeared. Is this a private conversation or can anyone join? She asked with a smile. William slipped his arm around her waist. We were just talking about Corey and Carol. Oh, Teen said, rolling her eyes. You mean Carol and his mother. I raised an eyebrow. You know about this? Everyone who knows Carol knows about his devotion to his mother, Teen replied. No man has ever been so desperate for approval. Like I said before, William continued, Carol's an only child. His mother and father have big plans for him. Ministry is just one step towards fulfillment of those plans. Marriage is another. They've been planning this since the day he was born. His one overriding goal in life is to marry well. And, Teen nodded in agreement, I'm afraid Corey will never fit into that picture. She would be an excellent wife, I said defensively. No doubt about it, Teen replied. But she's not from the correct class of society. At least not for Carol's mother. And it's not just Carol, William added. With all of us, it's the entire family. We don't fit into the life she has in mind for him. Well, I said with a resolute sigh, I think we have to talk to Corey about this. But not today, William replied. I don't want to talk about it now. It's too late, and she'll have just come in from seeing him. That would be cruel. Then tomorrow, I was determined to face this down once and for all. We can talk to her in the morning. The next morning after breakfast, I found Corey alone in the front parlor. William joined us, and the three of us stood near the window, looking out on the lawn and the street beyond. William glanced in her direction. Are you and Carol going for a walk today? Yes, she replied. I think so. He's not going home for a few days yet. We need to talk about him. Oh, what about? Are you under the impression that things are getting serious between you two? Well, I suppose she glanced away nervously. Her cheeks turned pink. You could say that. William cleared his throat and glanced down at the floor. What? Corey asked, her eyes suddenly wide with wonder. Is something wrong? Well, I don't know. William was struggling for the right way to say what we'd all been discussing. I wanted to step in and rescue them both, but I refrained. If this was going to work, it had to come from him. It's just that perhaps we should have a seat, he said, gesturing towards the sofa. No, Corey snapped. 
her eyes ablaze with anger. If you have something to say, say it. Don't treat me like I'm still a little girl. Treat me like a woman. Very well, William sighed. He stood there a moment as if frozen in place, unable to speak, and then he blurted out. Look, this isn't easy for me to say, but I've known Carol since we first came to the university. You're not the first girl he's shown interest in. I would have expected that, she said in an exasperated tone. Why are you telling me this? William raised his hand in a calming gesture. Listen, and I'll explain. He paused to take a breath before continuing. One thing he had said consistently about every girl he's ever been with is that his mother would never approve. I asked him on any number of occasions about what that meant, and it was always the same answer. He's an only child. His mother and father have certain notions about what it means to graduate from university, become a minister, and that sort of thing. They see it as a way for him and for them to step up in life. So what are you saying? They expect him to marry well. So you're saying I'm not good enough? Corey's voice was loud and her eyes were filled with tears. Then he wouldn't be marrying well if he married me. What a horrible thing to say to your sister. Tears streamed down her cheeks. What a horrible thing to say to anyone. It's not about you, William continued. It's about us, all of us. They expect him to marry into a family of considerable social and economic standing. They want wealth and position, I added. Yes, William continued. Wealth and position, and they see marriage as a way to get that. Corey glared at me. I can't believe you would do this to me. I'm only trying to... I've told you these things I've never told anyone, she said through clenched teeth, and now you're just using it against me because you're jealous. Jealous, I roared. I'm not jealous. Yes, you are, Corey leaned forward, angrily jabbing with her finger as she talked. You see me having a relationship with someone that you know you'll never have, and it makes you mad. I sat back on the sofa and folded my arms. I'm not jealous of you, I scoffed. I'm perfectly satisfied with who I am. Well, if you want to remain unmarried the rest of your life, that's your business, she shouted as she jumped up from the sofa. But don't take it out on me. And with that, she rushed from the room and stormed up the stairs. Around mid-morning, Carol and Corey left for their walk. They were gone most of the day and continued to see each other until the middle of the week when we boarded the train for home. During the ride back to Harlem, she kept to herself, avoiding eye contact with me and speaking only with Mama and Papa. When we arrived at home, Mama called me to her room. She was already in bed when I arrived. I told you to be careful, she said as I came through the doorway. You saw how they were acting when we were at William and Teens. Yes, Mama retorted, and you saw how she was acting on the way home. Your father was not happy and neither am I. Well, I'm afraid it was unavoidable. She shot a look in my direction. What do you mean by that? For the next few minutes, I recounted what I had heard at the reception, my conversation with William on the back porch, and our attempt to talk to her in the parlor. I understand all of that, she replied, and I appreciate your concern for your sister, but there are limits to what you can say and do. She's not your property or your child. I know that, I said, affronted by the suggestion once again that I was motivated by anything less than love for my sister. I'm not merely trying to spoil her fun. Well, just the same, you have said your piece, and you must say no more. You'll just have to let it run its course now. That's the end of chapter 15, and next week will be chapter 16, and we'll find out more about what happens and how God is using even this to prepare her for what she will face later in her life. I love you, I'm praying for you, and bye-bye for now.